In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of Southern Fried Soccer. I'm joined by Jason Longshore of 92.9 and SoccerDownHere.com, a website that I hope uh, you go to with podcasts of his own that I hope you'll listen to, a daily radio show that I hope you'll listen to. Today we are going to talk about the absence of Carlos Carmona. Atlanta United uh, is in the process of selling him to Colo Colo and his native Chile. They did not want to sell him, uh, but Carmona's wife, who is pregnant, is uh, suffering from some complications related to that pregnancy that prevent her from flying. And Carmona obviously needs to be with his pregnant wife, and so Atlanta United did the humane right thing and sold him to Colo Colo. Haven't heard an official figure, uh, reports on Twitter say $1.5 million, which would be a fantastic piece of business for Atlanta United. Uh, just financially, because he came on a free from Italy. Uh, that's a, And Atlanta United would probably recoup around a million dollars of that. The league would get the other third. So that's a pretty nice piece of business. I know they hate to lose him. Bocanegra actually said they built the team around him. So, Jason, in your opinion, what is the impact of losing Carmona? I think it's going to be felt maybe off the field in the locker room as much as it will be on the field. You know, that was uh, something that was interesting today as, as we were talking to a player like Andrew Carlton, who was on the fringe of the first team last year, talking about how important Carmona was in the locker room. You know, as one of the older South American players, I, I think he was a, a big brother in a lot of ways to Almiron and Vishalba and Martinez and Gonzalez Perez because he had played in Serie A for such a long period of time and played so much with his national team. He had experiences that the other guys didn't. The number six role and really the the holding midfield in general for a Tata Martino team is very important. He wants some very specific things out of that role that maybe other clubs don't value. And Carmona's versatility was a, a prime piece of why he was brought here in the first place. And if Carmona had not been added last year, what, almost right around the beginning of February, mm-hmm. uh, it was right before the Chattanooga match, if he had not been added, I don't think the team would have been successful last year, as successful anyway, because his versatility to be able to protect the back line but also join the attack as needed was very, very important for this team. And that's probably one of the biggest questions coming into this offseason, uh, coming into this preseason, when he was going to be here with the addition of Darlington Agby, how do you divide up the minutes? How do you divide up the roles? Now it's how do you replace that versatility that he specifically brought? He did make it look easy last year. Um, I don't value the defensive midfielder as highly 
Michael as a position Bradley. as other people do i recognize its importance but i don't think it's as important as a few other positions on the field but just for the new atlanta united fans tell them what the defensive midfielder's role is yeah and this team go back to last year uh jeff lorenowitz played as the more defensive of the pair carlos carmona was able to do both he was more of a mix he would get forward we saw a couple goals from him saw some assists from him also saw a lot of passes in the early stages of the build-up and that was the role as as an eight as a a box-to-box midfielder you know we're throwing around a lot of terms that get overlapped a lot but Carmona was the one who would do a little bit of both Lorenowitz was the strictly defensive one a lot of the speculation coming into the season is that Carmona would play more of the defensive midfield role and Darlington Nagby would be more of the mix because that's a role he's more comfortable in. Now, you're you're basically looking at the starting lineup from last year with Lorenowitz returning in a, as a starting number six and Nagby replacing Carmona. Maybe a stronger attacker, not as strong defensively. And that's going to be the question is how do you overcome that? Yeah, we'll get into that in another podcast that we're going to tape that I'm going to post both of them on AJC.com and I'll send them out on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC for y'all to listen to. Um, the defensive midfield role, it's, a, it's an interesting position. Soccer went many, many, many years, dozens of years without really a defensive midfielder position. And then suddenly it kind of started to become in vogue, uh, I think, with McAuley. Uh, his success at Chelsea. And then suddenly everybody started to want to have at least one defensive midfielder, and some teams went with two defensive midfielders. Um, let's just get – is it a necessary position in today's modern game? Yeah, I think it is. I think – and especially the way Atlanta plays, where they commit numbers in the attack and the way they do, you need someone in front of the back line to shield it, to protect it. But also you need a player there. You, you see destroyer as a term thrown around a lot which is strictly defensive. Atlanta United's holding midfielders last year, whether it was Lorenowitz or Carmona, were not strictly defensive players. They were expected to launch attacks, and they were a vital piece to launching counterattacks. And that's something that Carmona excelled in. You know, with his versatility, the, that generation of Chilean central midfielders were brought up to learn how to play the six, the eight, the 10, mm-hmm. to be a playmaker, but also be a strong defender. Carlos obviously you know, leaned to the defensive side, but he could do a little bit of everything, mm-hmm. and that's going to be a huge miss. Yeah, and just to, to reiterate, um, on Monday, Carlos Bocanegra said that Carmona was under contract and wasn't going anywhere. And then on Thursday, obviously, the re- I reported that the team was going to sell him there in the process of doing so. What happened in between those two days, Bocanegra wasn't... Uh, being untruthful on Monday. He had, the team had no intention of selling him on Monday. The conversations with Colo Colo, he described were just very light and just, it was basically, no, we're not selling him. But then in the past couple of days, they learned about the complications with Carmona's wife. That necessitated the sale on Thursday. Um, I just wanted everyone to know that, that uh, Bocanegra wasn't being untruthful on Monday. It's just how the deal developed uh and as such they really hadn't planned on losing him so when i kept asking him yesterday about well what how are you going to replace him he really didn't have an answer he said they need to sit back need to think about it and 
they'll come up with a plan. So that's what Jason and I are going to talk about in the next podcast, both the candidates that are currently on the roster and maybe some of those who are free agents in MLS right now. I hope you'll listen to that. Thank you for listening to this edition of Southern Fried Soccer. Jason, how can they find you on social media? I'm on Twitter at Longshoe, and you can follow Soccer Down Here at Soccer Down Here and listen to us uh, 9 to 11 weekday mornings at blogtalkradio.com slash soccer down here. And again, I will be at more than 95% of Atlanta United's training uh, sessions this year. I'll be at every game. God willing. That's almost uh, Michael Bradley passing percentage. Oh, good Lord with Michael Bradley. Have I mentioned that Jason Longshore said he's going to wear a giant foam cowboy hat <laughs> if Atlanta United wins the MLS Cup? And with that, I will end this edition of Southern Fried Soccer. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years and I am still amazed at how rich the city's black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that black people might want to know about. Like historically black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Oh,